Hello, I'm Jeremy Allaire, and welcome to The Money Movement, a show where we explore the issues and ideas driving this brave new world of digital currency and blockchains. So this week we're going to be we're going to be talking about banking meets stable coins. But just to set the context a little bit on this, you know, clearly a, a lot of the impetus for cryptocurrency, the broader digital currency movement, uh, this money movement, as we say, um, it's really anchored in the idea that we're building a new kind of financial system, a more open, more inclusive, more global uh, internet-based financial system. And a lot of times, um, you know, certainly from the early origins of this industry and, and even today, this is often positioned as, you know, uh, crypto and blockchain and digital currency is threatening to banks, uh, that this is anti-bank in, in some way. And um, I think what we're seeing and what we're learning is that, you know, fundamental innovations that are happening in this space, the use of public blockchains as a secure transaction processing and settlement infrastructure, the rise, the incredibly rapid rise of innovations uh, such as stablecoins um, may actually turn out to be the ultimate path to banks using crypto. Uh, we recently saw guidelines from the national banking regulator in the United States, which uh, offered that uh, federal banks, uh, uh, national banks in the United States could hold in custody uh, crypto on behalf, of, on behalf of customers. And we wonder if this is a harbinger of things to come. So meanwhile, uh, at Circle ourselves, we're seeing accelerated interest from neobanks, challenger banks, fintechs, global banks, lots of firms that want to use things like USDC as a payment rail uh, and as, a, as an infrastructure, uh, which is very, very exciting. And then obviously outside of payments, which is a lot of what people often uh, think about when they think about things like stable coins, what about the real business of banks, so to speak, which is borrowing and lending? We're also seeing a very rapidly evolving stable coin capital markets, and that's happening through DeFi or decentralized finance and CeFi or centralized finance models where billions of dollars of loans and borrowing in stable coins is taking place and that's rising at an incredibly fast rate. So with this theme of banks meet stable coins, uh, we're going to be joined by several, uh, I think, excellent guests who are at the front lines of this uh, convergence of banking and stable coins. So joining us now uh, are Oliver von Lonsberg Saadi, the founder and CEO of BCB Group, a European neobank that is embracing stable coins as a core payment medium, and Julian Howell, the head of blockchain lab at Bank Frick and Company AG, similarly a fast-growing European neobank that has adopted USDC in their broader digital asset brokerage platform. Uh, welcome, Oliver and Julian. Uh, thanks very much, um, Jeremy, uh, Hi. for that uh, intro. Um, yeah. It's great to uh, join you on this uh, conversation. Stablecoins um, are an extremely exciting part of this space, yeah. and um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Excellent. Uh, welcome, Julian. Nice to see yeah. you. Hi, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah. Exciting times, uh, and very looking forward to the show. 
Excellent. Well, let, let, let's get started. So Julian, I, I actually want to start with um, a little bit about Bankfrick. Um, I actually, I think I met your founder in Zurich many years ago, uh, as you were literally, I think, quite de novo uh, at the time. And you've really been a, a tremendous example of a challenger bank that is built for this new world, built with uh, the digital currency and blockchain ecosystem in mind. Maybe you could just share, uh, you know, a, a little bit of the Bank Frick story first, and then, and then I want to maybe uh, also talk a bit about the role of USDC today and where you see it going. But let's just start with a little bit of the story. Definitely, yeah. Um, I mean, Bank Frick uh, started uh, about 22 years ago. Um, it's uh, an original bank from the traditional world, so um, a lot of focus on the traditional um, banking, private banking sector. But with yeah more competition in Liechtenstein, um, Bank Frick started to diversify its um, business model. First, um, went into acquiring um, and processing of credit card payments, then e-commerce, and with that line of business, uh, blockchain was for us the logical next step. Um, we started in 2016 um, to to offer services to blockchain companies. However traditional products, um, company bank accounts, uh, payment accounts, and so on. And then soon realized that just with bank accounts, the, the show is not really done. Um, there needs to be a lot broader range of offerings, um, especially in the way of custody and trading. Since um, a lot of institutions need uh, professional counterparties um, where the bank as a regulated bank can step in and facilitate this. And from that step forward, we continuously develop new products, um, narrowing down the customer group. So we have by today specialized products for exchanges, uh, for brokers, but also in regards to token offering miners and see that, um, yeah, we, we went pretty well with serving specific needs um, of niches or customers that um, have a very clear problem, which can be solved with a, yeah, with a banking. That's, that's great. I mean, I, I think you're obviously an example of a bank that has really leaned in uh, into this space and into, into the digital asset space. Um, you know, I, I think uh, you, you made news uh, recently and, and obviously we're very aware of it, but, um, you know, this sort of step towards uh, adopting and supporting stable coins as a bank. Um, and uh, I think, you know, I think that's a, that's a bigger theme. It's one of the key things that, that we're talking about here today. Um, but maybe just talk about the first steps that you've taken with USDC and, uh, and then maybe share a little bit about your thoughts on, on where you see that going and where you see that value. Definitely. Yeah. So for us, um, we either select uh, new crypto assets on customer demands or uh, if we see an efficiency gain or some, some new products from our side. Um, the US dollar coin, um, we need it or we, for our product offering, which we plan to roll it in the future, we need to, to use a stable coin. It just makes a lot of sense. Um, and there were different stable coins out there for us only, of course, regulated ones that where the backing is audited came into question. And um, yeah, the US dollar coin um, was the way to go for us. Um, we integrated it into uh, our custody infrastructure as well as uh, trading offering. This is the normal step how we roll out uh, new currencies. We included into custody trading. And then from there on, kind of on a second level, build out specific products. Um, and the roadmap for USDC looks looks pretty nice. Um, I mean, maybe to highlight it, the the ambition which we have or where we want to go is pretty much to have the same offering which we currently have for a euro or US dollar fiat currency to offer that same thing for US dollar uh, for the US dollar coin. 
That's awesome. Um, we're going to come back to some of the themes that you touched on, but maybe uh, turning to you, uh, Oliver, uh, obviously, uh, likewise, I mean, you're, you're a rapidly growing uh, neobank. Uh, you're serving these digital asset markets. Um, give us a little bit about your journey. And, and, uh, and then you guys have been doing some stuff recently where, you know, sort of USDC as a payment medium has sort of become core and and would love to hear you talk about what role it plays and, and where you think it's going as well but maybe just start again with a little bit of the journey absolutely uh thank you for that jeremy uh, and julian it was great to hear uh you know how that path evolved and and what i observe here is a kind of a a convergence to uh to the center um so where you know bank frick is a great example of um a, a bank who has uh, you know, come from more traditional roots and then embraced the blockchain uh, business and, and developed products and services around that. We've kind of come at it from the opposite direction. So in 2017, when we opened shop, uh, you know, our primary business was in secondary markets, so, you know, buying and selling crypto on behalf of customers, um, first as a broker and then more towards the prime broker model and then to, and then kind of uh, lately more towards the market maker model. But um, it was in trying to move money around uh, especially dollars, uh, which was you know super difficult at first. Um, that uh, it, it became clear that we need to um, be part of the solution uh, to 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 moving money at scale. Uh, so about eighteen months ago, we we you know we kind of uh, added the second um, critical vertical to our product line, which is this banking service. You know, offering transaction banking for um, you know most people UK and European market makers, exchanges, etc., just to clear those pathways for moving money. Uh, you know, we, we've seen the stablecoin evolution and how that really facilitated trading at scale in the past. And, um, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's become extremely clear, I think, to anybody in this market that, um, you know, stablecoins are the future of money. Um, there is, uh, you know, and now's a great opportunity to get in. Um, and one, like one particularly vivid illustration of this is, I mean, I'm looking at your latest uh, USDC in circulation at 1.1 billion. Now, you know, that, that sounds like a, a large number to some, but it's, it's like the foothill of the mountain. I'm looking at the money markets, which, uh, of which there was like a trillion dollars in issuance uh, uh, alone. Uh, imagine the shift today from, um, you know, money market instruments in, in denominating USDC towards money yeah. market uh, instruments. It's, it's, it's enormous. Uh, we're at the precipice of a massive revolution. We certainly uh, believe so as well. Um, that, that, that's great. So um, maybe we can just maybe uh, uh, shift to some of the, the specific themes. I mean, I, I think um, when we talk about um, you know what you know if I if I'm a bank or I'm a fintech uh, or a neo bank, you know, let, what are the advantages of stablecoins? You know, what are they going to get? How is this going to be beneficial to their business customers, to their end users? There's lots of benefits that we talk about, global, cross-border, cost, speed, et cetera. But I'd love to hear you each talk about, you know, um, as, as professionals that are in the banking industry, have been in this infrastructure for a long time, you know, why is this so superior? Why is this going to grow so fast? Yeah, um, maybe I start. Um, so we, we, when we look at the traditional financial world, we are very limited uh, in regards to opening hours. So... Bank Frick, for example, operates from nine to five. Um, we have a lot of public holidays in Liechtenstein, um, where we have, on the other hand, the blockchain world, which is run 24 seven. 
And um, so at the end of the day, I firmly believe that we are developing into a digital 24-7 basis uh, society, also the financial market. So for us, um, it, it helps to bridge the gap between the, say, traditional 9-to-5 system and then the uh, 24-7 blockchain world, where we can use um, the stablecoin, which uh, is not really volatile in this sense, to, to facilitate the, the payments in this sense, to bridge the gap where our traditional world is not operating in. Mm -hmm. Oliver? Um, I'm, I absolutely agree uh, with that. And um, so, so I'm going to take this from the point of view of, um, uh, you know, from, from what are the risks that are perceived in, in the stablecoin market. Um, and uh, so last year, you must have seen around this time last year, the BIS Bank of International Settlements published this uh, this paper on the risks of stablecoins. And literally, all of the risks that they listed are actually advantages that stablecoins can offer. So they're talking about legal certainty, governance, uh, you know, AML, um, market integrity, data privacy, uh, you know, tax compliance. All of these things are actually way more easy when you have a transparent blockchain-based. Uh, system of money. Um, they also talk about, you know, the impact on monetary policy, on financial stability, um, and, uh, you know, fair competition. I think all of these uh, risks which were highlighted in this report are, are all of the assets. And so they've done the stablecoin a massive favor if you actually read the report properly. Yeah, no, I mean, and clear, yeah, I, obviously we believe it's a, it's a superior form of money and, and is ultimately, uh, you know, something that will uh, you know, not just for the efficiency and, and so on, but that this is actually a, a more transparent, more secure, more auditable, uh, you know, mechanism. Ultimately, as a full reserve model, it has more underlying kind of uh, integrity vis-a-vis -vis safety and soundness than commercial banking money does uh, in, in many ways. And, um, you know, it, it has, uh, it, it solves some of the, the complexity in cross-border payments of, you know, the time delays, the costs, et cetera, it sort of really, you know, allows us to move, uh, move at, at internet speed um, as well. Um, you know, I, I guess um, related to that and, and sort of thinking about the move of banks into this space, more banks wanting to use these rails, support these money formats, um, you know, a lot of banks make money charging fees, um, uh, sometimes exorbitant fees for moving value around. Uh, but stable coins, you know, make money behave, you know, more like content and data on the internet. Um, the big question is this, is this technology or stable coins going to do to payments and the payments business model, what the internet did to content and communications and the underlying business models that were were uh, relied upon by the incumbents there. Want to go first, Juliano? Um, yes, why not? Um, I, I firmly believe so. Um, I think that the the technology at the end of the day, the, the blockchain is, is the core piece here. And we'll, we'll see an infrastructure shift, which um, will definitely turn the payment industry upside down. I mean, we saw a lot of um, technical innovation already over the last year without um, using um, a blockchain, I think. Uh, once we, we shift on there, we'll see a complete upside down payment world where, yeah, international cross-border payments are um, done pretty much instantly or within seconds for nearly no money. Um, I think the, the whole remittance business model is going to be very, yeah, um, turned around um, because that is still a service which is, um, from a consumer perspective, very expensive. Mm 
Uh, and you, even, you know, retail payments and domestic payments, right? If you get a stable coin that, uh, you know, can, can on these third generation blockchains can handle very high throughput at a fraction of a penny to, to, to transact and settle, uh, that, that's gotta be a threat to, uh, you know, people who, uh, help coffee, coffee shops, uh, collect payments too. Um, so it kind of goes all the way there, but, uh, Oliver, uh, what are your thoughts on this kind of transformation? Um, definitely echo the efficiency argument. Uh, there's also the information argument. Um, you know, you can't uh, put a, a post-it note on a on a hundred dollar bill um, and 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 be sure that the information is going to reach the other side. But uh, you know, when you've got um, this uh, new breed of technology, this is a new possibility, and you can put your real-world legal contract on that. Um, and uh, so I think in getting uh, enriching money, if you'll excuse the pun, is um, is the you know is uh, this this the possibilities that are within that we haven't even begun to explore. Yeah, I mean it's actually a great it's a great um, segue to something I wanted to talk with you guys about, which is you know digital securities, uh, the idea of financial contracts that you know are written in code that interact with with digital cash and stable coins. This whole promise it's massive. Um, you know, banks obviously and, and brokerage firms and others, right, um, they're really very heavily involved in the securities uh, space, uh, issuing them, uh, custodying them, uh, lending them, selling them, uh, all, these, all these different things. Um, you know, what's the role of stablecoins going to be in the future of, of financial contracts and of digital securities? Yeah, um, I think this was one of the uh, large arguments why we integrated US dollar coin BC, especially for digital securities. On the one hand, investing in them, trading them through a stable coin, but then also uh, corporate action dividends payments. Um, it makes so much more sense from an efficiency perspective to use um, a stable coin like the US dollar coin for this use case instead of relying on the old uh, fiat railways like SWIFT or Zebra here in Europe. Yeah. I think uh, there's a lot of uh, evolution ahead of us that's hard to foresee. Uh, you know, we embrace obviously clearly this, the you know the whole stablecoin movement. Um, but looking at the smart contract um, in a market in general, uh, you know, when if and when that uh, securities the tokenized securities market takes off, you know, what we're doing BCB to future proof for that scenario is um, is. So we're integrated with this uh, uh, third-party framework called Dazzle, um, developed by this lab called Lab Five Seven Seven. Uh, it's based on Corda, and it's uh, super um, efficient at uh, you know handling these smart contracts. This is one of several uh, you know uh, initiatives that we have to you know to make sure that we're ready for what this looks like. Um, you know, uh, and, and you know, obviously within that family is you know USD Coin, and um, and the, the the Blink network that we've just released last week, which is this um, you know instant settlement network. Yeah, well, it's it's a really exciting space. In fact, I just saw an announcement today. There's a, a, a an internet company that is paying dividends in in USDC, um, uh, had which had done a, a digital security uh, using using uh, smart contracts and. Um, I was in a in a discussion today with a, a company without getting in the names that's that's in the real estate market doing tokenized real estate and 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 really stable coins are going to be critical to how people uh, are able to purchase essentially shares in real estate and also get paid out the equivalent of uh, of a note uh, on a continuous basis. Um, these kinds of innovations, uh, 
tokenization of real world assets. I know we've talked about them for you know years now, really since 2017 in, in a significant way, but it seems like now that the infrastructure is really getting there, regulatory clarity is coming into place, uh, stable coins are, are, are kicking into gear uh, in, in, uh, as a settlement medium in, in some of these as well, um, which, which actually touches on another theme, which um, you know, both of you are, are regulated financial institutions uh, under a number of different uh, regimes. Um, there's a lot going on there. The FSB is working on its, uh, you know, its policy recommendations. Um, it looks like the EU is going to, you know, put forward at least uh, uh, for for discussion and then ultimately for legislative initiative, uh, EU-wide kind of crypto policy that'll be inclusive of stable coins. And um, and the U.S. Uh, you know national banking regulator is uh, is you know issuing guidance to open this up to the financial sector as we speak. Um, where do you see the regulatory picture for stablecoins uh, and sort of this crypto generally, but specifically the, the use of these types of digital cash instruments and, and the infrastructure uh, that we are building on? Um, I think it's, it's depending a little bit on a geographic perspective. I think uh, we here in Europe, um, we are a fan of regulation. We, we like to have that regulator, regulatory certainty um, compared to other continents. I think where regulatory is um, yeah, rather on the second end where you rather try and then see how it works. Um, we in Liechtenstein, we have since the beginning of this year, um, our blockchain act in law. So uh, Liechtenstein is a completely regulated jurisdiction when it comes to cryptocurrencies, digital securities and so on. Um, I think for a, a broader adoption, especially with financial institutions, um, I talking in the context of Europe, um, a clear regulatory guidance, clear regulatory framework is one of the most important things. Yeah. Um, in the UK, it's super cool to see the FCA uh, embracing crypto finally with the uh, crypto assets uh, regulation, which, which looks at it from an AML point of view. Um, sooner or later, the FCA are also going to look at this from a, um, a market efficiency point of view. And this is where stablecoins actually really shine because, um, you know, uh, in, a, in a highly volatile asset like, uh, you know, the majors in crypto, um, market efficiency is hard to measure and hard to manage. Uh, but a stablecoin, by definition, when you know pegged to uh, to a national currency, um, it, it's kind of it's a it's a non-issue. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so phase one uh, of this regulation in the UK, looking at AML, that you know, super positive step. It's going to bring a lot of people into legitimacy, a lot of uh, businesses in, into legitimacy. Um, phase two, when we start looking at market efficiency, well, stablecoins already got a head start. We're there. Yeah. Last question uh, for the two of you, um, you know, three years from now, um, what do you think we'll see in terms of uh, neobanks, traditional banks, adopting stable coins, uh, you know, storing value in them, facilitating payments with them, you know, how far are we going to go in that period? I think we'll, we'll see a, a broader adoption, definitely. I think um, certain financial institutions are faster than others, um, but within three years, uh, every financial institution um, will be somehow has at least research using it. I think in three years, um, we'll have some, some definitely a first few concept of central bank digital currency um, and the use adoption as well as uh, market cap size of stable coins will be increased substantially, I think. Yeah, definitely. We're going to see that gap close between, uh, you know, 
circling back to the opening point about the the money, the size of the money markets. You know, we've got a billion today. There's a trillion uh, that's there that's going to equalize, in my view, over the next few years. Um, that's from a kind of um, uh, money markets point of view, but also from a capital markets and a lending point of view. Um, you know, if we look at say Compound uh, DeFi network, I see today they've got 1.7 billion dollars uh, in in total supply. Uh, a billion of which is in the total borrow pool, uh, a bunch of which is for USD coin. Uh, but the point there is that, again, this is scratching the surface, uh, you know, uh, with negative uh, yields on dollar um, and these super positive, you know, sometimes double figure yields on stable coins, um, that market has, is going to explode over the next three years. We uh, are in agreement on that. Uh, we, uh, it's actually a, a good segue uh, to, to our next guest and, and, and a partnership that we announced earlier today, which we'll We'll jump to, but uh, Oliver and Julian, I want to thank you guys both uh, very much for joining us uh, on the Money Movement this week and uh, hope to speak to both of you very soon. It's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me, Jeremy. Absolutely. So we, we've seen and expect this significant acceleration in banks, especially as we've heard uh, fintech-oriented banks, neobanks, uh, players that are, that are moving fast, that are tech-forward, you know, we, we expect more and more to support digital dollar stable coins. Um, and, you know, as just referenced, and it's a really good segue, banking is about much more than payments. Um, it's also very much about lending and borrowing. And over the past six months, we've seen a huge surge in markets for lending and borrowing stable coins, such as USDC. And today I'm very excited to have as a guest, Michael Morrow, the chief executive officer of Genesis, excuse me, perhaps the largest institutional lending facility in crypto and whose firm is uh, driving and building very significant stablecoin-based credit markets. Hello, Michael. Hey there. Hey, hi, Jeremy. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, welcome. Um, I, I want to start actually just talking a little bit about about our partnership, which uh, which was announced today. Um, obviously, from from Circle side, uh, we see this tremendous opportunity for uh, you know yield and credit uh, that's built around stable coins, and mm -hmm. you know, we want to we want to provide a way for you know businesses around the world for developers that are building fintech apps uh, on top of our our platform and on top of USDC to be able to tap into these emerging credit markets that are that are uh, you know built around crypto built around stablecoin and and you know first of all I'm thrilled to be in partnership with you guys but would love to maybe have you talk a little bit about um, you know both the partnership and then uh, you know kind of we'll get we'll get into a, a little bit of how uh, how that business has grown for you as well happy to chat about it um, and, and likewise I'm thrilled to announce uh, the, the, the partnership um, between our between our two firms. Um, we've been close um, as, as, as a company for, for a number of years, but it's really nice to kind of formalize the partnership um, via the announcement today. So um, Genesis, we're a, uh, an institutional cryptocurrency focused prime broker. Um, and as a business, um, we've been around since 2013 on the OTC market making side, um, helping institutions and high net worth individuals um, do large uh, block transactions um, in, in various cryptocurrencies. Um, and we added our, our lending business, um, Genesis Capital, um, in early 2018 to enable folks to borrow and lend crypto um, and, and, and U.S. dollars and, and stablecoins. 
um, and have create sort of a yield producing product and making holding crypto a productive asset. Um, whereas previously, you basically had to rely on price appreciation for any kind of gains the ability to hold on to the upside while, while earning yield and interest. Um, in the meantime, uh, was, a, uh, was a new element to certainly the crypto landscape. Um, and right, right along the lines of, hey, this exists in traditional markets, I can do this and earn interest, why couldn't you create something similar um, in, in the crypto world? And, and, and that lending business has, um, has, has, has been very, very successful and kind of quickly growing. Um, and we have you know, over a billion dollars in loans outstanding today. Um, and about a third of that loan portfolio, approximately call it $400 million or so, is in US dollars and stable coins. And as you might imagine, kind of given the popularity and explosion uh, of USDC's growth, a large percentage of that $400 million is also in USDC already. So there is certainly a large institutional size demand for further USDC, certainly in the borrowing side. And I think it certainly makes a ton of sense to enable the holding of USDC to also be a yield producing product. And I think the partnership that we announced this morning um, about building various lending and yield creation products um, with Circle um, makes a ton of sense um, simply because, and we just looked this number up ourselves, we've done over $3 billion of US dollar based lending since we started our business in 2018. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge number, um, and, and that number is only growing, you know, bigger and bigger every single day. And so, uh, thrilly, thr really uh, thrilled to, to be in partnership with Circle. Thank you, Michael. I mean, it's been fascinating to watch the evolution, uh, and, and, and clearly, uh, as more and more institutional market participants get comfortable with, you know, wanting to hold and utilize uh, things like USDC, that fuels the, these these credit markets, uh, you know, even further, and um, and so uh, you know, I, I think obviously what what started as you know, uh, people borrowing facilities and things like Bitcoin is now you know the sort of stablecoin denominated two sided markets that uh, that that you're facilitating. Um, that evolution's been been uh, obviously fascinating. You know, I guess um, one related question is sort of as a lender. Um, you know, what are the advantages to using a stable coin? Um, you know, how, how is it a superior asset for, uh, from a lending perspective? Um, what, what are some of the benefits that you guys see? Certainly. So as folks who are lending to firms like Genesis, um, and, and, and we have, we're fortunate to work with a number of different partners on the funding side of our, of our lending operation. Um, but effectively, um, I view, and I think growingly, more and more institutional investors think of something like USDC um, and the dollar as being exactly the same thing. Mm -hmm. um, and given the, the regulatory status of USDC and its audited nature, um, and basically the company is kind of standing behind the product, I think there's certainly growing amount of confidence that USDC of a dollar is a dollar in your bank account. The big difference certainly is the availability of lending capital pool that is available in the crypto market today versus what might exist in other markets. Mm -hmm. And as you might imagine, um, the traditional lenders, um, starting with the banks, are not uh, making capital available to companies operating in the cryptocurrency space. I'm sure that'll change, um, but that might take quite, some, quite a bit of time. 
And as a result, the rates, the interest rates um, for those products um, are su far superior and much higher than what you might get, certainly in the United States in a low interest rate environment, and certainly across Europe and parts of Asia with a negative interest rate environment, um, where you, know, you are able to earn interest on an annualized basis, certainly about eight to 10 times what you might be able to get in your traditional bank account, um, certainly is a meaningful difference. As one reason to think about, hey, why don't I lend this out in terms of US uh, in USDC rather than keeping this dollar in my bank account? Yeah, absolutely. And and for borrowers, right? Uh, you know, they can. You know, you 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 you're able to transact with them. You can get them, settle a transaction to them very quickly. They can pay you back very quickly. There's no counterparty risk. It's fast. It's cheap. It's secure. Uh -huh. Works around the world. You've got counterparties around the world. So sort of some of the things that the prior guests were talking about, it, the, the efficiency of the medium is, is obviously benefit, beneficial for, for a lending operation like yours as well, I'd imagine. Absolutely, I mean, look, we have a couple different sides to our business, right? On the trading side, the ability to settle Bitcoin transactions or Ethereum transactions and buy sells instantaneously, 365 days, 24 hours a day, is incredibly valuable to not have to wait for banks to wire. You do a transaction on a Friday after the banks close, you got to wait yeah. till Monday morning to kind of get your money back, right? And, and 48 hours is forever. Yeah. Um, and so the ability to use USCC to settle transactions certainly is attractive. And on the lending side, there are lots of good uses for USCC at, on the lending side as well, um, not just to, for levered long plays to borrow yeah. some cash and buy additional Bitcoin yeah. or get, get USCC to grow your business from a commercial loan perspective. So right. um, for lots of reasons, it's, it's certainly an attractive instrument. Yeah, that, that actually leads to the next topic, which is, you know, as you know, you know, the fundamental thesis that we have behind USDC is that this is going to expand much more broadly into mainstream business, mainstream finance, mainstream commerce, uh, that the, the benefits of this as a payment medium, as a settlement medium are, are going to be profound. And it's going to find its way into more and more, you know, areas of the economy and, and use cases. And it seems like, you know, kind of following, uh, you know, right on top of that are going to be, you know, businesses that need capital and, and, and individuals that want to, uh, you know, take loans against assets and it will, it will, you know, find its way outside of just taking loans against things like crypto and into other areas. Um, this sort of expansion into other sectors, you know, what might that mean for, for a Genesis? Sure. I mean, the tokenization, the digitization of everything has been a trend that's been going on for quite some time. Um, and as the world becomes much, much more of a, a digital economy, the idea of certainly digital money and a cashless world is becoming true more and more every day. And so for firms like Genesis, um, and, and certainly through our partnership, I think there's so many different creative ways we can work together to extend lending. So it won't simply be Genesis and, 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 and Circle working to create yield producing products. Sure. It'll expand the available pool of capital that is available to enterprise customers that Circle may have and other merchants that have businesses that might conduct commerce in USDC. Yeah. Um, and so I think there's, we're only kind of touching the tip of the iceberg here in, in how the, uh, the, the, not just the partnership, but we USDC and its growth can certainly do for the entire business ecosystem outside of crypto. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, we're, we're seeing obviously some fascinating growth uh, and some really interesting growth drivers with just like this theme of dollarization and international customers who are using circle business accounts 
that prefer to be able to settle in something like USDC, to hold value in something like USDC, to be able to make international payments in it, which uh, have, have uh, the utility of the internet. But, but a lot of these businesses are in jurisdictions where they don't necessarily want uh, their own currency and um, and if they're able to uh, access credit uh, denominated in stablecoin, or if they have uh, short-term assets and they want to deploy those and hold those and generate yield on them, really, really powerful. Not something that is necessarily readily readily available to them within their their regional banking system. So, sort of connecting the dots on some of these bigger international themes too. Absolutely, and I think our, our previous two guests, Oliver and Julian, we're going to talk about money market instruments, and I think yeah. there's certainly a future around, hey, money market instruments actually holding USDC rather than uh, the, the fiat equivalent, simply because the USDC element might carry a higher interest rate um, than, uh, the, the, than the fiat equivalent. And so all of those types of things around, you know, to your point, the topic around dollarization, um, I, I think presents a tremendous level of opportunity, um, certainly for, for your business um, and, 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 and the ecosystem as a whole. Yeah. Uh, the the uh, you mentioned earlier, um, kind of, uh, you know, traditional banks not being in this space, whether, you know, either extending credit to certain types of, of businesses or, or, or extending credit against assets like, uh, like crypto. Obviously, we saw, uh, you know, the OCC giving guidance that, you know, hey, banks can hold this stuff, they can custody this stuff. Uh, once banks can hold it and custody it, they can lend against it. Uh, those become, uh, you know, underlying assets on their balance sheet. Um, and, and, you know, so we may soon see banks actually getting in the game, um, at, at least in the U.S. And, you know, I guess I'd be interested to hear what you think that looks like. And, you know, how do you guys, you know, stay out ahead of that as a, as a prime broker and, and obviously as a, a you know, sort of leading uh, lending facility in the space today? So here's how I view the world. Um, looking at just simple factors of supply and demand where interest rate just kind of intersects, right? The demand for, for borrow in dollars versus the available supply of dollars, leading to interest rates that are, as I said, eight to 10 times higher than what you might get in traditional, um, you know, the, the dollar market today. If one of the big banks, or uh, if one bank does it, my bet is more than one bank does it, is, is make capital available, readily available, um, at an effective rate to folks around the world um, in, in the crypto space. Mm -hmm. If that were to happen temporarily, sure, the supply gates flood, right? And interest rates might kind of come down. But my bet is that the demand for that even spikes. Mm -hmm. Because I do think the, if, if capital were available, that means the biggest banks in the world are making capital available to crypto. That is even further legitimization of the asset class. Yeah. My bet is that there's going to be more new money flowing into the space to soak up those available capital really, really quickly. Um, so that the interest rates went back again, naturally kind of normalized to what it might be. So I'm not necessarily sure um, that simply the influx in supply might do the demand. I'd argue the demand is going to grow multifold uh, more than the available capital supply. Uh, that sounds really good, Michael. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think I think um, the, the the that sort of next phase of mainstream adoption is a catalyst uh, for even more demand. Um, and, and obviously you guys are, are well poised. So um, uh, Michael, it was great to have you, um, you know, congrats. And of course, thank you uh, as well for the partnership. Uh, we're obviously very excited about it and what we're gonna be able to do together. And uh, as we said in our announcement today, this is um, 
you know, part of uh, bringing uh, stable coins into mainstream finance and looking forward to, to working on that with you in the coming years. Likewise, thank you very much for the partnership as well from, from, from all of us at Genesis and really, really excited to come up with all the different creative ways um, we can come up with and create value um, for, for, for USDC customers. Thanks, Michael. We'll speak very soon. Bye-bye. Right, Bye-bye. Um, so these themes of uh, banking meets stable coins, uh, banks holding stable coins on behalf of their customers, uh, using this as a new payment system that has enormous advantages over legacy payment systems and the birth of and the rapid ascendance of capital markets, debt markets, uh, denominated in stable coins. All these are, are things that were, I think, just a glimmer in people's eyes many years ago. And it's just really exciting to see that accelerating. So we're going to have this theme of, of banks and fintechs and others building on this infrastructure is going to be a very significant uh, theme, I think, in the coming year. Uh, so we'll have a lot more to talk about that on the money movement. I'm, uh, I'm very excited about next week's show, uh, where we're going to be bringing on what I consider to be a very special guest, the legendary crypto trading OG, Dan Matuszewski of CMS Holdings. By way of background, uh, Dan has been deep in trading crypto since 2012. Uh, he built a legendary uh, trading desk uh, here with us at Circle, Circle Trade, and he now runs a prop fund uh, with some other significant uh, players out of this space called CMS Holdings. Um, you know, while there's a lot that we could talk about together uh, on, on that episode, but the theme next week is going to be the stablecoin trade, the history of stablecoins, their role in, in crypto markets, their current evolution and state and where things are going. Dan has probably held and traded more stablecoins than almost anyone in the world and has witnessed their explosive growth, has an incredible amount of insights around this space. And so he's going to be providing what I expect to be amazing perspective and what is going to be a lot of fun as a conversation. So until next week, uh, stay well, stay safe and stay informed. Thank you very much.